Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. God certainly makes the message of salvation clear and plain in His Word, doesn't He? There are so many simple, easily understood statements in the Bible that contain all the gospel truth that we could ever need. Take this one for example. Christ died for our sins. Well, these five very simple words contain within them all the gospel truth. The problem of our sin, the person of Christ, the work for us upon the cross, and the personal aspect of applying it to ourselves, all in five words. Today, Mr. Peter Ramsey bases his entire message on these five wonderful words and explains for us how this simple statement makes it possible for us to know absolutely our sins can be forgiven, and we can be assured of a home in heaven. He first reads for us from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3. We're going to read five words tonight that if you could grasp them and make them your own, rest on them, you would never have to worry, never have to worry that your name would not be found written in the book of life. In fact, if you were in this meeting to rest on those five words that we're going to read, your name would be indelibly and eternally inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life, never to be erased, safe and secure forever. Does it sound appealing? I'm sure it does. First Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read these five, I say they're the most amazing five words in the English language. You know, there are other five words that might be rather exciting, like, you have won a car. Wow. Or, ta-da, this house is yours today. Or, Bill Gates paid your bills. And if you don't like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett paid your bills. Beautiful five words, aren't they? But now we're going to read the five most amazing words in the English language. First Corinthians chapter 15. I don't know whether you find them amazing or not. I do. I appreciate them. I love these five words. The Apostle Paul is writing about how he had received the gospel and what he had preached. In verse 3, I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. How that? Christ died for our sins. There they are. According to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. 
After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, Paul says, he was seen of me as of one born out of due time. It wasn't just a few people who saw the risen Christ. There were eyewitnesses and not just a handful. There were enough eyewitnesses to make the credibility of the resurrection indisputable. 500 at once, in addition to all the others, saw the risen Christ. Paul says in verse 3, here's what I preach to you. This is what I received, how that Christ died for our sins. Maybe you're used to hearing those five words, Christ died for our sins. And the wonder of those five words, maybe they've been diminished or dulled by our familiarity with those five words. They go in one ear and out the other. And you don't even stop to think about it. That's, hey, just a second. Those, really, those are amazing, those five words. Christ died for our sins. You know, I saw those words. We were at a little family trip in New Jersey, and we thought we were going to Ocean City. We didn't know the difference at that time between Atlantic City and Ocean City. Atlantic City is the Las Vegas of the East Coast, and we weren't going to any gambling casinos. And we said, wow, this is quite the place. And it sure was. Donald Trump's casinos and all the, it's just amazing, the lights and the glamour and the glitter. And so just out of curiosity, we drove up and down the blocks and we watched people all dressed in their best going into the night for a night of fun to gamble the night away. And people in their limos driving up to the Tropicana Hotel and checking in. But just around the corner, we saw people staggering. And we saw people poorly dressed. And we saw girls cheaply dressed. And it became very obvious to us that all this glitter and this glamour is just a facade. It's just a one-shot deal, a night of fun. But the real tragedy of sin is seen just around the corner. The impact, the toll that it takes. As we watch those young ladies ply their trade on the streets. A tragedy. The tears came to our eyes. And amidst the darkness and of all the lights that were lighting up the city, there in the darkness not only of the night, but in the darkness of human existence, we looked up. And in the top of the Chelsea Baptist Church, you know what I saw? Five words lit up. Christ died for our sins and we thank God right out loud in the car and we wondered if people looked up from their nights of despair and their drugs and their awful sin did they see it and it wasn't long after that four prostitutes were found face down murdered in a swamp just outside of Atlantic City and all I could think of was did those dear ladies did they look up did they see those five words, Christ died for our sins? I thought I would do a story and post it on the website about those five words and about those four ladies. 
So I did a little search, Google. I put in Christ died for our sins, Atlantic City. And I came across a blog. Now, for those of you who don't know what a blog is, it's like an electronic diary journal. Only it's done online. And I read what she wrote. Here's what she wrote. She checked into her hotel for a weekend of partying and fun. And she went up to her room. And she pulled the drapes open. And she looked out over the city. And do you know what she saw? Here's what she wrote. The title for that day was Christ. How can I gamble now? Then she wrote, Here is the view from our first room at the Tropicana Hotel in Atlantic City. Before we switch to a new room facing the ocean, clearly the ocean is not the only reason I wanted a new room. In case you can't see it too well, click on the photo. The sign on that church says, Christ died for our sins. And I don't think its placement was accidental. Right smack in your grill so you don't fornicate and gamble your life away in Atlantic City. Buzz kill. Thanks a lot, Christ, for ruining my weekend. You get the drift? She was there for a night, a weekend of sin. And she checked in and she opened her curtains. And all she could see was Christ died for our sins. And she changed rooms. I wrote told her I was trying to do a story for my website. And I asked her, do you have a clearer, a better picture of that sign? And uh, I told her what I liked about the sign. I said, no matter what the sin is, God's love is non-discriminating. He loves all of us, regardless of the color or the shade of our sin, I wrote. Christ died for all our sins, and through Christ we can be completely forgiven of all our sins. She was amazed that I came across her blog. And she wrote, she said, actually, there is another photo, I believe, of the very same sign that I found accidentally not searching for it. She says, give me a day or two. I think I have the picture. And sure enough, she sent me another picture. Christ died for our sins up over Dunkin' Donuts sign. And I wrote it back. And I said, you said you came across it accidentally, not searching for it. I said, you may not have been searching for it. But you know what it tells me? Even though you're not searching for Christ. Of all the millions of words you're a writer, of all the millions of words you write and read in the run of a year, why would you remember five words like Christ died for our sins? I saw it there and I saw it somewhere else. I said, you may not be searching for Christ, but he's searching. He's searching for you. You're not here by accident tonight. You may just be honoring a commitment, but behind the scenes, God is working in your life because he's searching. He's searching for you. And he wants you to realize and appreciate the forgiveness of sins and what Christ did for you. I don't know whether these words impress you or not. Christ died for our sins. I have talked to people who've never heard tell of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you tell them the story, they have been awed by the story. I would like you just to go along with this storyline tonight. Picture yourself never ever hearing the word of Christ through the man called Christ Jesus. You've never heard these five words before. They're completely new to you. 
And you go into your office one morning. It's nine o'clock. And you look out the window and on that electronic billboard, you see one word on the sign. And it says, Christ. Christ. You say to your friend, look at, look at out the window. There's a word on the billboard. I don't know what it is. It's Christ. Do you know what it means? And your friend happens to be a Christian. And the friend starts to tell you all about Christ. How that we were sinners and how Christ came down from heaven. And he was the creator of all the universe. But yet he loved us so much he came down from heaven. And he took upon himself human flesh. He was born in Bethlehem just in a poor stable. And he was laid in a manger. And you're sitting there thinking, really? The mighty creator of the universe became a baby. And your friend continues on and says, oh, yes, a wonderful man he was. He lived on this planet and he did nothing but good. He never did a wrong thing. He never hurt anyone. He never told a lie. He was perfectly free from sin. And you're there saying, tell me more. Tell me more about this lovely man, Christ. He's certainly not like me. I've got lots of skeletons in my closet. But are you saying that this man was perfect? Absolutely, he was perfect. And everywhere he went, he did nothing but good. There were people who were brokenhearted and he put a smile on their face. He changed their lives. People who were separated from their families because of a communicable disease hadn't seen their family for years. He was able to heal the disease, the joy under the roof of that home. Yes, he did it. Christ did it. He was out in a lake one night and there was a mighty storm. And that same man, Christ, he stood up in the boat and he just spoke to the wind. He said, peace be still. And there wasn't a wave. Calm. And you're sitting there. You've never heard of this man before. Christ, what a wonderful person he is. His goodness, his gentleness, his compassion, his love. He fed multitudes of people. He gave life to people who had died. Can you ever imagine what it was like when he went into a village? People coming on cots and crutches and canes. I don't know what the environmentalist would have done back in those days, but it seems to me there were people who just flung their crutches away, rolled up their cots, and flung their cane away. And you could say, oh, Christ must have passed through this way. Look at the bandages are gone. They're there on the ground. Christ, nothing but a trail of goodness and blessings. Christ. I remember sitting with new immigrants, newcomers to Canada in Toronto. And as we told them about this man, Christ had never heard his name before. They would just sit on their couch, engineers and men and women who were educated. And, and they would say, wonderful, wonderful. Can you come back tomorrow afternoon and tell me more? That was at nine o'clock. You looked out the window. Ten o'clock. You look out the window. And there's a new word up. Your face drops. Good man. He died. He died. You say to your friend, this man that you were telling me about, he died. Tell me about it. How old was he? Was he 90? Oh, 33. Awful. Awful. How did he die? Oh. He died upon a cross. A cross? Yes, they nailed his hands and his feet to a cross. 
and you've never heard this before. And you're thinking, why? Why did they do that to him? Why was he on a cross? Christ died. I remember a, a man, and we spoke on the death of Christ, and he grabbed our hand at the door of the tent, and he said, good man died. When did this happen? Like I didn't see it in the news. He was shocked. Oh, it just goes in one ear and out the other for many of us. But when you think this lovely man called Christ Jesus died, tell me more about his death. And the friend tells you, oh, they took their fist and their bulging biceps and they plowed it into his face. They put a crown of thorns on, a, on his brow and they smote him in the head. And they grabbed his beard and they poured off his face. It seems to me you'd be sitting there wiping the tears away from your eyes, thinking, Christ died. Was this an accident? Was it a case of mistaken identity? Was he a martyr? I know the death rate is 100%. Everyone dies, but not everyone dies such a horrible death. And all you can think of is Christ died. Oh, I need to find out more. Are you interested in finding out more tonight? Why he died? I need to know more about his death. Please tell me more. That's at 10 o'clock. You come back from your coffee break at 11. You say, friend, there's a new word. It says Christ died for. That means there was a, a purpose for. Whatever for. It wasn't a pointless, purposeless death. Christ died for or on behalf of what? Whatever. Could it have been he died for something? You might know the answer tonight. Can you imagine never hearing this message before and seeing that third word up there, for Christ died for, he died for something. Your mind is staggering at the thought. It's one thing for him to die such a horrible death, but to think there was a cause. Why? Was it his own crimes that we didn't know about? Did he have secret crimes? Why did this lovely man, Jesus, die? It's almost time for you to go for lunch. It's almost 12. And you're standing at the window. You just want to see whatever could the next word be. 12 o'clock hour. Friend, come here. How am I involved in this? How do I relate to this story? It says Christ died for our. This message has something to do with me. Our. I am connected to Christ's death somehow. I am linked for some reason. Have you ever discovered the reason why or how you're linked to Christ, his death? Fill in the blank. Christ died for our, our what? For our example? I wonder, would that be what it was for? For our, Christ died for our happiness? Christ died for our planet? Whatever is, why did he die? You go to the lunchroom and you couldn't care less whether there's mustard or mayonnaise on that sandwich. All you can think of is, I, I want to be back there for one o'clock because I need to find out why. How am I involved in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ? He was innocent. He was perfect. How am I implicated? You gobble down your sandwich. And you head back to your desk. And at one o'clock, what do you think you do? My sins. I'm the guilty one. Wow, if I, 
I'm the one that should have been punished. I am the one that should have died for my... He wasn't guilty. He wasn't the offender. I am the offender. Christ died for... Why would he ever die for my sins? Friend, come here, tell me, why did he die for my sins? Oh, because he loved you. He didn't want to see you die in your sins and go to hell. He didn't want to see you suffer in that awful lake of fire. But you say, I am the guilty one. I am the one who has lost. I am the one who has offended God. Have you ever faced that? That you're the one that's offended God? I remember the night that I realized I am the offender. It was my sins. People say, pardon me. They like the story about Jesus Christ, but they don't like this thought. I'm the cause of his death. The night I got saved, the night I trusted Christ, I realized my sins, my sins, were the cause of his death. That ever occurred to you? That your sins were that offensive, odious, obnoxious to God. Your sins. That nothing less than the death of Christ could have ever paid for your debt of sin. Drops of precious blood flowed from his sinless, spotless person. It seems to me, I see that man, I see, sitting at the desk as he buries his face. My sins. He died for my sins. Can it be? Oh, can it be? He became my substitute. He stood in my place. He did it for me. Friend, that's what the Bible says. What part of the Bible don't you understand or believe? You believe about creation? Yeah. You believe about hell? Yes. You say, I believe there's a heaven and hell. Is this the only part of the Bible that you can't believe tonight? Because if you were to drink this message in those five words, you'd be saved. I don't know what you're thinking salvation is, but salvation is nothing more than taking God at his word. If God's word says Christ died for my sins, then he died for me, and I don't have to suffer for my sins. Christ is my Savior. Is that too complicated for anybody to take in? Or is God too dubious a character, too questionable, so unreliable that you can't trust him? What an insult to God that someone here tonight knows these five words but can't trust God, that Christ died for our sins. Friend, God's grand and glorious message for you tonight is that Christ, he died. And I am one of those who can say for my sins. I'm in that hour. Are you in there? He died for you. He's searching for you tonight. That's why you're here. And the good message of the gospel is, 2,000 years ago, God knew you could do nothing to erase your sins. And because he loved you, Christ died for our sins. Five amazing words that I appreciate and others do. But what about you? Yes, five amazing and wonderful words. Do you appreciate them as Mr. Ramsey does? Do they mean everything to you? 
You see, if you don't realize your great burden of sin and your desperate need to have your sins taken away, these five words will mean very little to you today. But we hope that Mr. Peter Ramsey's message today has led you to acknowledge your need of salvation and to appreciate these golden words of promise. They are all you need for your soul to be saved and for you to be sure that all is well for eternity. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email at anchorpointradio.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening. And we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.